0: animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal, come here the animals,
1: talking animals, talking animals.
0: Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest today is George L. Heinrich, a field biologist and environmental educator specializing in Florida reptiles. He operates a St. Petersburg-based company, Heinrich Ecological Services, that conducts wildlife surveys and research, natural history programming, and nature-based tours. Heinrich also serves as the executive director of the Florida Turtle Conservation Trust. So today, talking animals becomes talking turtles, which will likely involve discussing the big turtle year, modeled after that birding competition known as the big year where essentially the objective in both cases is to identify as many species as possible in a calendar year. Other likely topics this morning include some turtle species specific to Florida, also traits of the diamondback terrapin and the threat that crab traps pose to these turtles, and a bit of an overview of the Florida Turtle Conservation Trust. So much to discuss when I speak with George L. Heinrich in a few moments here on Talking Animals on WMNF. Later in today's program I'll speak with Ray Allen, producer and co-host of Cats on Film Pod, a new podcast in which Allen and her feline Sidekick Skipper review movies that feature cats, framing their assessments chiefly around the felineness of the kitties and the humaneness of the humans. And they do this in brightly produced episodes, usually running just three, four minutes, five minutes, the longest. More on this later. Right now, though, let's talk turtles with George, with the reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. This is George Heinrich on Talking Animals on WMF. Good morning, George. Good morning, Duncan. Thank you for joining me on Talking Animals
2: this morning. Thank you for inviting me on your show.
0: For sure. So a guy like you probably doesn't develop a passion for turtles late in life, I'm guessing. So tell me about your time as a kid. What animals were you most interested in, and how did you spend your days in your formative years?
2: I grew up in New England, uh, Connecticut specifically, and uh, have been interested in turtles ever since I was a young kid. My dad brought home a a box turtle, and I had that for a short period of time uh, when I was five years old and uh, have been interested in turtles ever since.
0: So is it just that that box turtle spurred your interest, or you, did you have interest before, because I would assume that something prompted bringing the box turtle home to begin with?
2: Uh, I think my dad was out fishing, as I remember, and found the turtle, uh, brought it home, and I don't recall having any interest in turtles before that. Okay. Uh, I guess that was the trigger that got me interested in those. All right. Later on, brought me a... A spotted turtle a few years later, and uh, after that, I was hooked on turtles the rest of my life.
0: Wow. Okay. So, during those years with the box turtle, then later the spotted turtle, were you also just a guy poking around and looking around for animals and tending to them, or were you one of those people?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was one of those people. I spent a, a lot of time in the, uh, in the woods. We lived in uh, a rural part of, of Connecticut at the time, and uh, there was a lot of woods just across the street, hundreds and hundreds of acres. So I'd be in there all day long looking for salamanders and climbing in trees and catching turtles and playing in creeks and so on.
0: Were you just looking around for anything you could find, or did you have other interest in, in critters, uh, even though at home you had the box turtle then subsequently the spotted turtle? Were you just sort of always kind of interested in just seeing what was out there and what you could kind of uh, find? Yeah,
2: I just enjoyed exploring the woods. My friends and I would, you know, build forts and dig forts underground and uh, be gone from breakfast uh, to dinner time. And it wasn't just looking for for wildlife. It's, you know, all the usual stuff kids do. Sure. And they're all by themselves. Yeah.
0: And then how do you think poking around, having the box turtle, spotted turtle, etc., how did those experiences shape you, do you think, now looking back from where you sit today?
2: Uh, My parents... Took me to the zoo a lot when I was a kid, the Bearsley Park Zoo in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And uh, I I guess I had told them when I was very young I wanted to work in a zoo. And then when I was a very young adult, I worked for a while at a zoo for several years while I was in college.
0: Oh, yeah, what Uh, zoo was that, George?
2: George? In Memphis. Oh, okay. And while I was working there, I realized I had a lot more interest in wild animals than animals in cages. Okay. And uh, I did an internship for about a year at Lichterman Nature Center, and uh, after graduating from college, moved down to Florida with my wife and, you know, started getting interested in the turtles that were down here. Yeah.
0: So given all those things, the zoo and the nature center and um, maybe even before that when you were just still poking around in the woods, is there a standout experience or a sort of transformative moment that you can think of that really propelled you towards all the things that followed? I mean, the zoo interest followed by Memphis Zoo and then the nature center kind of followed when you were, I guess, going to school. But uh, was there something in particular that really was like a catalyst of some kind? I
2: don't think I can pick any one particular thing at that point. Okay. In my life uh, yeah. I do know that when I was in college that uh, my major professor studied trees. He was a dendrologist and I Accompanied him in the field a number of times, and uh, and that got me more so interested. And, and thinking back a little bit more, when I was younger, and uh, maybe a couple of years earlier in college, I had an ecology class and was taken out to uh, the Ocala National Forest and introduced to scrub habitat, and that was a that was an important field trip which got me thinking about ecology as a career.
0: Mm. Okay, so you go to school and you graduate, and you move to Florida.
2: Yep, and worked for uh, worked for about uh, uh, ten years for. Boyd Hill Nature Preserve as a park ranger, which mm-hmm. is in St. Petersburg. Yeah, Great, great preserve, wonderful trails, lots of wildlife, great place to watch gopher tortoises. There's a nice population of them there and see alligators from the boardwalks and, and so on. And towards the end of that 10 years, I had already been doing uh, part-time uh, field biology, wildlife surveys, and, and uh and research, and my wife encouraged me to turn my part-time work into full-time. So that was almost 20 years ago, and and I started Heinrich Ecological Services, and I've been working for myself ever since.
0: That's a good boss to have. i <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> oh, I see some days better than and others. Hard probably. On it. Yeah. Probably don't have too many disagreements, though. So in your experience, given all that path and, and all the way back to being a kid with with the box turtle, et cetera, what do you think the general view amongst just kind of random folks, the public, is of turtles? I mean, snakes bring up snakes, and that's a, typically a polarizing topic. But, but it seems like turtles isn't, right? Doesn't pretty much everybody love turtles in your experience?
2: I think so. I don't know anybody that doesn't like turtles. I know people that don't want to handle them. They're worried about being bitten by turtles. Yeah. People, for the most part, are very uh, interested in, in looking at them up close and learning about them, seeing them.
0: Yeah, there's something very kind of enchanting, I think, about turtles. I mean, some some obviously look a little more menacing than others, but, I mean, just generally, you're, most people, when they run into a turtle, they're they're happy to do so. So uh, let me let folks know this is Talking Animals on WMFM, Duncan Strauss. If you just tuned in, my guest is George L. Heinrich, a field biologist and environmental uh, educator uh, specializing in Florida reptiles, also the director of the Florida Turtle Conservation Trust. So, yes, we're talking turtles here today. If you'd like to ask George a question about turtle, or offer a comment, please call eight one three two three nine nine six six three email DJ at WMNF.org or text eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. So I think it's probably safe to say from what you've outlined so far your view of turtles is pretty much unwavering. And it seems like you've really retained that sense of wonder that you had poking around in the woods as a kid.
2: Yeah, I think I'm really lucky. I I developed an interest when I was young and it just happened naturally. And uh, I've had this passion for my whole life and it's made my my whole life so much richer. I've been able to travel and see a number of different species, particularly around the United States, and uh, made a lot of friends and and colleagues over the years. So I think uh, having a passion has been a blessing.
0: And really, it sounds like if anything, you've been able to more broadly or, or directly pursue that passion after your wife kind of said, hey, man, why don't you go all the way in this direction? So would you, how would you say your enthusiasm for turtles has evolved? I mean, is there something th- through the education and working with them directly for a number of years that has added some other dimension to that enthusiasm? Um,
2: yeah, I've, I've also had a secondary interest in, in, in environmental education, and have been doing a lot of uh, programs for the public about wildlife conservation and also teaching uh, some summer nature camps at, at local preserves here in Pinellas County, um, Whedon Island Preserve and Brook Creek Preserve and Boyd Hill Nature Preserve. and have kids, you know, 7 to 11 years old for turtle camp in the fall and herpetology camp in the summer, and, and uh, I see a real value in, in getting these kids interested in turtles. It, it supports my bigger mission, which is to to find ways to conserve turtle populations particularly, in Florida.
0: And do you find that as you're teaching these kids that they get jazzed kinda of excited the way you were when you were probably their age?
2: Some of them, some of them do, but you know, so many kids nowadays are, are into technology and yeah. parents are keeping them close to home or indoors and in the air conditioning and they're hooked up to electronics and Yeah. And my goal in my programs has always been to get the kids to turn off the electronics and go outside and, and look at things, whether it's scat from a coyote or a, a turtle shell where an alligator has eaten it or yeah. live animals that are doing some kind of interesting behavior. And some of those kids get hooked. Uh, yeah. I have kids now that are adults, and I worked with them when they were you know, 9, 10 years old, and they're uh, high school biology teachers or... Uh, doing research on their own. So there's been some kids that seem to develop that same passion.
0: That's great. That must be really gratifying for you because now you're seeing kind of a a ripple effect of well, you taught them. Some of those kids now are old enough to then be sort of continuing to in teaching capacities or other things to guide yet another generation. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a call. Looks like we got a call here. Let's get someone else involved in the conversation. Hi, you're on talking Animals with George Heinrich. Hi, go ahead. You're you're on talking Animals with George Heinrich.
3: Okay. Um. Hey, I just wish uh, more people had empathy for uh, for all all the animals. Um. As far as turtles go, I carry uh, I carry drop cloths with me. And some of them are pretty good, uh, good size. And I mean, I, I got a, uh, a snapping turtle out of the middle of the road, uh, by throwing the, the uh, drop cloth over it. It was a, uh, 12 by 16. So it was a really big one and getting it off the road into the, into the, uh, woods right next to the road. And my daughter was with me. And funny thing is, you know, she's always loved animals too, but now she has a couple little turtles for pet that, that she's crazy about. Um, you know, I'll stop in the middle of the traffic to rescue turtles crossing the road. And I, you know, I'd stop traffic. I don't really care about that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really good to hear your program. I appreciate it, and I'm going to let you go. I just wanted to tell you that I have no special, you know, um, nothing special to talk about other than I wish people cared about life, you know, wildlife, uh, you know, more than they do, and uh, thank you.
0: Okay, well, thank you. One quick question for you, though, because you're stopping for turtles and helping them in one way or another. Where exactly do you live?
3: I live in Clearwater.
0: Okay, all right. I was just curious. I've
3: got three dogs. I call them my growlers. They're my uh, they're my tribe.
0: Okay, those are your t- turtle Alert systems probably right
3: yeah uh, i don't know how they get along with turtles but yeah uh well they
0: yeah. probably alert you sometimes if there's a turtle in the road but uh all right well good for you that's very that's very nice <laughs> to hear and thanks so much for your call yeah
3: thanks for your program thank you okay, okay.
0: Bye-bye. bye-bye yeah so george one question then we're going to get into sort of a larger thing about uh, species and other things in a sec but that color reminded me of something that I've wondered about, that I know people wonder about. And, and like where I live, for example, much like where, where he was, um, sometimes you see turtles in the road. And um, so, of course, obviously you want to you know, stop and get them out the road, which we do. But if there's a nearby body of water, I guess a lot of people aren't sure, hey, do you put the turtle back in the water or do you not put the turtle back in the water? If it looks like t- to you that the turtle has wandered out of a pond, let's say, or whatever, what is the uh, recommended suggestion there?
2: Now, there's not one specific answer that fits all species, so okay. it depends on what kind of turtle okay. it is. First of all, if a turtle's crossing the road and you can safely assist it, which is a, a big consideration, yeah, um, only move it in the direction that it's going. Okay. Because if you move it back to the other side of the road, it's likely just to try to cross the road again. Sure. If it's moving in that direction, it's either going to uh, to perhaps nest or move to another body of water or so on. So then it depends upon what kind of species it is. If it's a box turtle or a gopher tortoise, you, you don't want to be putting it into the water. Right. But generally, I try to move them across the road. On occasion, if, if the pond is another 30, 40, 50 feet, and that's the direction they're moving in, I've gotten them away from the road to the edge of the water and then let them make a decision what they want to okay. do. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's the sense I've gotten, but this is why I'm happy to have a turtle expert here is that if there is a pond and they seem to be heading that way, and especially if they're in the road, so you want to get them out of the road regardless, but then if you can get them towards the pond, but I guess the key thing is to not put them in, but get them to the edge of it, and then they'll decide from there.
2: Yeah, especially if you don't know exactly what species you have. Some people pick up gopher tortoises and take them to the water and throw them in, and these are, are terrestrial turtles don't belong in the water. Yeah. So really helping them, any you're actually harming them.
0: Right, for sure. I got gotcha. you. Okay, let's take one more call, and then I'll get into sort of one of our bigger
3: topics here.
0: Hi, you're on Talking Animals with George Heinrich.
3: Hi, my name is Grant. Hi, Grant. And uh, the timeliness of this program is impeccable. Just
4: 15 minutes ago, I was driving along Spring Hill Boulevard... Fernando County and I saw a gopher tortoise walking in the middle of the road, so I had to stop my truck and get out and uh, carry it to this side of the road So they torto, the turtles and the tortoises are constantly getting out here on the roads for one reason or another. So wow want to share that.
0: Yeah, that is timely. I hope they're listening to the best of their ability to WMF right now. All right.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Okay, thank you. Thanks for your call. So, George, uh, we talked about turtles and species and different things and how, again, well, intentioned people could be trying to help a turtle get across the road but then plop them in the pond and sort of do the wrong thing. So – in some ways, this brings me to the variety of species and, and what's different about their behavior, which more specifically, I guess, this brings us to the big turtle year, which is a frame of reference for folks listening as modeled, model, I guess, after the competition that birders hold each year called the big year. For those not steeped in birding, particularly, I guess you might recall a movie, I guess eight nine years ago, called The Big Year, starring Steve Martin, Owen Wilson, Jack Black, as characters that were engaged in that very competition. So, talk about what the uh, the turtle version, the big year, turtle year is, and, and what was the impetus for launching that? Who came up with that?
2: Um, I did because I wanted to see if it would be possible to see all of the turtle species of Florida in a single year. And at the present time, there's uh, 28 species here, uh, and there are 62 in the United States. So that's uh, about 45%, I guess, of the diversity in the U.S. Okay. And uh, so several colleagues and friends started telling me, you should might as well just go ahead and look for all the ones in the U.S. It's just double in Florida, and plus some of those species would be much easier to find in other states than in Florida. So uh, a colleague and I, Tim Walsh, uh, Tim and I run the uh, Florida Turtle Conservation Trust. We we hatched out this idea to try to travel around the country, and uh, I went on all of the trips. Tim joined me uh, on a few of them when he was able to get away from work and, and participate, and uh, he built uh, a website, and together we put together this conference uh, Conservation Education Initiative to try to introduce people to the diversity and natural history and conservation of turtles in the United States, which is the most turtle-rich country. Only uh, Mexico is behind us; they have forty-nine species, and we're at, at sixty-two. So that's a, a sizable number of turtles. There's only about, at present, three hundred and forty-nine species recognized uh, around the world, and they're such a diverse group in, in size from turtles that are small like common musk turtles and bog turtles that you could have two or three in your your hand sitting there all the way up to leatherback sea turtles which can be seven feet or more and and, uh, weigh over a thousand pounds and uh, some of these turtles lay two or three eggs and some species of turtles can lay 125 eggs others nest a single time maybe lay one egg per year like the pancake tortoise in central africa and then you have species over here some of the sea turtles that can nest seven, eight times, uh, in a single, uh, uh, season. Their diets diverse, some are plant eaters, some are scavengers, some uh, specialize in, in a particular uh, food item. Uh, some of them have very small ranges like the flattened musk turtle, which only lives in the Black Warrior River System in central northern Alabama. and other turtles uh, have these huge ranges like snapping turtles in the United States or sea turtles which are all around the uh, all around the, the world and the habitats they live in are so different. Gopher tortoises living in these dry sandy, uplands like our scrub habitat in Florida or pine flatwoods or longleaf pine, turkey oak, fanhills, uh, and then other ones live strictly in rivers like Swanee Cooters or Barber's Map Turtles. So they're a very diverse group. It makes them extremely interesting yeah. to me and to a number of uh, colleagues.
0: So George, was then part of the, uh, I mean, maybe the, among the motivations for the big turtle year was just this, that it's a great jumping off point to discuss turtles, but also the huge array of turtles, how they. Live where they live, what sizes they might be, other things about them, and it's just like sort of a natural discussion when you're having a this year-long self-conceived competition to see as many of the species as possible in the U.S.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, we had, we had hoped to enlighten people about, particularly the conservation needs of these species and what the threats were uh, to a number of them, like the gopher tortoises. The habitat loss where they occur here about fragmentation. So a lot of our reserves are just off by themselves, not connected with anything or have inadequate fire regimes so for tortoise habitat that needs to be burned. So if it's not being managed in various types of land management efforts, like uh, taking out non-native species of vegetation and, and burning the area so you have a nice healthy environment for tortoises, or, or things like diamondback terrapins, which are drowning in, in crab traps. Throughout
0: their uh, their range. Yeah, I want to come back to that and, and spend a bit more time on that. But before we leave this, I mean one of the things that I was curious about, among other things, about the big turtle year is is this since this is something you created, obviously, is this something that's ongoing or people now just much like with with the birding counterpart, just do it on their own? And is there any place that people would report how many species they saw that year or is it does it operate
2: independently now? It's, there's nothing uh there's nothing formal. I mean we yeah. called it the big turtle year because there hadn't been one, to our knowledge. Right. And uh, we spent a, a year doing it in the field. And uh, since then, since 2017, it's been pretty much just giving lectures around the country about about this project and about the ecological importance of, of, uh, of turtles and uh, writing a couple magazine articles and just trying to get the word out about, about turtles, using the big turtle year as a, a mechanism. I have heard from people telling me that they're now... Uh, doing their own big year in their particular state. Uh, I don't know if anybody's trying to do the whole country in a year. There are uh, people now trying to do all of the turtles in the U.S., but not in one particular year.
0: Yeah, so you really have spurred, obviously, some significant interest because if people are really trying to see that many, even if they don't feel like they need to do it in 12 months or whatever, that suggests uh, some pretty serious passion that has uh, been un-
2: unfurled here. Yeah, I think uh, people that are interested in turtles, particularly to the level uh, of, of my colleagues and I, where we're working with trying to save particular uh, species, then, then that's, the, uh, that's the case.
0: All right, well, let's take, we have some other clothes and some other emails. Just try to get to more of them. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with George Heinrich.
4: Hey, how are you? Dylan. My name is Glenn. Um, Hi, Glenn. I work at Florida Rescue Farm. Um, I'm a caretaker there. And um, what we do is we have about five and a half acres, and we get de- the three of it we dedicate to wildlife and it's been super beneficial and it's something that i think maybe this guy uh, might want to look into is getting what we promote is you know if you do buy land put some aside for the wildlife and um we have gopher tortoises in there i got ear spiders we got salt uh we have a giant pond also um snapping turtles and um it has worked there is an abundance of life in there um and it's just a small area um And I just wanted to see what this guy thinks about, you know, people when they do buy property and when they just take into consideration the wildlife and um, what's already there, you know. Because you're moving on something that people already live in there, you know. Yeah. You you know, you should maybe uh, consider that out out of respect. Right. Um, And that's all I had to say.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate the call. And it sounds like really just by virtue of earmarking part of those acres for wildlife in some ways maybe even offset some of what George has already mentioned about some of the, the habitat concerns for certain uh, species.
4: I just tuned in on you so I didn't get I didn't hear him talking about I just
0: Okay, well he may he may respond to what you said uh, just generally. Thank okay, you thanks. thank you thank you again for your call. George? Yes. So uh, any thoughts on uh, Glenn's notion of, uh, uh, I guess, out of five and a half acres, they set, set aside three just for wildlife, and sounds like sure. things are are flourishing. Well,
2: certainly there. Ha- habitat loss and degradation is the biggest threat to, to wildlife and plant species around the world. And then each species or most species have a whole suite of threats that are bothering them. But if they don't have good habitat that's being managed or, or, or put aside for them, then they have, they have nothing. So this gentleman has five acres, and he's put a percentage, a larger percentage of it aside. And not touching it—that's possible. We don't have to have five acres or buy twenty acres and then turn around and clear the whole thing and have a giant lawn. Yeah, uh, it's possible to just you know put your home in a certain area where it's going to do the least least damage and have a much more interesting yard than a, a giant uh, monoculture of grass that has to be maintained.
0: So, at least one more question on the big turtle here, just that comes to, to mind. Just given. The, the through line that we've already established that you were turtle guy from way back when. Was there a particular species that you saw in, in the course of your big turtle year that either was unexpected that you saw and or that you just felt really just thrilled by?
2: There were a couple of little mud turtles. Mud turtles are small, uh, to most people, uh, fairly uh, indistinct turtles. These are, you know, you can put a couple of them on your hand or three of them on your hand so they're not that that big. Mm -hmm. There's one called the Big Bend Mud Turtle, which only lives in one little area uh, near Big Bend uh, National Park, part of Texas, and goes down with a larger range into Mexico, but probably the most. Uh, interesting one that I got to see and I was excited about was one called the Sonoida mud turtle. And it lives in one little half-acre wetland in southern Arizona on the Mexican border, and it's found in a place called Quito-Biquito Springs, which is an organ pipe cactus national monument. And this is a, a desert-adapted, very geographically isolated subspecies, it's that half-acre pond, and there's probably four locations or so on the backside. So this is a species that's going to have to have international management and conservation efforts. and there there are only uh, estimated uh, about 182 individuals wow. in that pond. That's for the entire United States. That oh, was geez. a 2017 estimate. We saw 46 of them on the day we were there. I, w- I got to participate in a, a, a annual survey that the National Park Service uh, conducts. Oh, wow. So this, this population is, um, your listeners probably are aware of uh, issues with a border wall that's being put through that area. It's going to isolate uh... that population uh... on one side and during the process of building the water the uh... the border wall it's affecting water levels which is a big issue for aquatic species The use of water and lowering water uh, levels. So this is, interestingly, was just listed as federally endangered by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in October of 2017, and less than three years later, we're going right through that habitat, sacred uh, Native American grounds, and uh, critically endangered habitat, and plowing through and bulldozing over and putting up walls. Jeez. Some turtles are up against quite a bit. Yeah, some of them very rare, very very limited in in distribution, and in a a lot of trouble. Yeah.
0: Again, this is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest is George L. Heinrich, Executive Director of the Florida Turtle Conservation Trust and wearer of other turtle-related hats. We invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663 emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. So we do have a handful of emails and texts, George, and a few calls holding. So one of the questions that came in by email was saying, "Uh, hi, Duncan and George, what about keeping turtles as pets? I'd heard that it wasn't a good idea, and yes, I had a few. You as a kid. Thanks.:
2: Well, so did I. Uh, and, and a lot of my colleagues and I've had discussions about the problems with taking turtles out of the wild, but certainly a number of us have had turtles as pets, and it's probably gotten us interested in what we do now as, as uh, field researchers and, and conservationists. But the removal of wild turtles from the wild at this point is just not sustainable. And for a number of species, it's a, it's a, a huge threat, like diamondback terrapins. Uh, diamondback terrapins are a species that live strictly in coastal waters. They're entirely uh, restricted to these brackish water habitats. The only turtle in the world uh, to be defined as as such. And uh, illegal poaching for pet market is a, is a huge issue. I mean, in the past, it was taken for, uh, for eating, uh, but now it's uh, taken. For, for pet market, wow. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is currently looking at closing down possession, where you used to be able to take one per person per day and couldn't have in your possession more than two, and they're proposing to shut that down. And they're also addressing uh, the issue of bycatch mortality of diamondback terrapins in, uh, in crab traps. So they're taking a uh, trying to take a holistic approach to addressing conservation needs of, of diamondback terrapins. And that's something that we... Uh, support hope that they follow through on
0: yeah on the other hand it sounds like despite what you and and your colleagues uh, experiences might have been as kids that at this point it sounds like it's kind of hard to support the idea of keeping turtles as pets when you've got this illegal poaching for pets going on
2: well it's still you know wild turtles need to be wild uh, but there's plenty of of, uh, captive bred turtles so those would be ideal for uh for the pet trade
0: Okay, yeah. so, so as long as you make that distinction, there still could be yeah. a, a way that you're not.
2: Yeah, so you just got to find something that's captive bread. Been raised in captivity for many generations. Certainly, at one point, something was taken out of the wild to start that whole process. But at this point, it's not sustainable to take uh, turtles out of the wild. Then you can still keep uh, pet turtles by buying captive-bred turtles, as long as they're ones that are uh, you're allowed to legally possess.
0: Yeah. All right. I'm going to get at least one or more of the callers. But let me just ask one of the many questions that have come in by email. This might be a tricky one, but maybe not. What's your favorite turtle? Someone asks here.
2: <laughs> I get asked. Almost inevitable, know. right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess right now I have three favorite turtle species, uh, Terrapins, Gopher Tortoises, and swanny Cooters, and that's because that's the species that I'm studying in the, in the wild. I remember many years ago I was giving a talk at a conference, and afterwards uh, my wife told me that somebody came up to her and said, what's your husband's favorite turtle? And her answer was, whichever one he's working on at the present. I see. <laughs> so they're, they're all interesting to me.
0: Yeah, so there's kind of a rotating favorite, or sometimes the three at once. So <laughs> All right, let's yeah, take another
2: call. around the country that i'm thrilled to see like wood turtles in michigan or connecticut because i got to see those as a kid growing up but yeah but they they all are are important ecologically and they all as i said have their their own suite of threats against them and all of them need our assistance to conserve populations in the wild yeah
0: all right let's take another caller hi you're on talking and with george heinrich
2: hi this is Bo from north clearwater hi, Bo. um i uh I, I grew up loving turtles too
3: uh a lot of snapping turtles back in Missouri uh, when I would uh, always go floating on the river
2: when I was a kid. Um, I was up at Jekyll Island um, uh, a couple years back, and I visited the Georgia Sea Turtle Center. And I was wondering if um, there's a place
3: that um, we have in Florida. Um, I know I go out to Honeymoon Island quite a bit, and I
2: see a lot of gopher gopher tortoises. But um, I was wondering if um, Florida could could uh, put together something like that uh, That Sea Turtle Center Um you know, it would be great uh, education, and I'm sure they make quite a bit of money.
0: Okay, thanks for your call.
2: Mm-hmm. George? Yeah, so there are sea turtle centers in Florida or marine marine centers that uh, have sea turtles as a focal species or almost entirely as their their focus. Uh, over here on this coast, you know, Mote Marine works with uh, sea turtles on the beach, nesting sea turtles, uh, also uh uh, rehabilitating sea turtles and uh, several of them on the east coast. I can't think of any uh, facilities that are doing uh, uh, the same thing with gopher tortoises or diamondback terrapins. Uh, certainly, educational programs with nature centers, and there there are in the, in the U.S. Uh, centers for for working with uh, turtles, like the Turtle Survival Alliance, which is an international effort of projects around the the globe looking at uh, highly endangered. Uh, turtles. There's a Turtle Conservancy in California, which is uh, doing work with acquiring large acres of land, 50, sixty thousand 60,000 acres at a time, to help protect a, a species. So there is some of that going on.
0: Okay, so I'm going to get work my way through more of the uh, email questions, and then we're going to get at least one or two more callers on. So the next question here is, which I'm going to guess is kind of rhetorical. Ever been bitten by a turtle?
2: Uh, yep, several, several yeah, times.
0: I would think. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's take another caller. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with George Heinrich.
2: Hey, good morning. Um, I, I've worked some property out in eastern Hillsborough County, and the owner, and I've worked through several owners, but the original owner set aside a, a small piece of her property for the gopher tortoises. Um, oddly
4: enough, her reasoning was, you know, her family was poor and lived in the glade, and they relied on the turtles for food at one time. And so she
2: was paying them back. But at one time, they said that there were some respiratory problems or diseases uh, that afflicted these turtles and that by moving them, you were doing more harm. Now I won't you know, debate the imperative of getting anything out of the road, but is moving these gopher tortoises still a problem? And I'll hang up and listen. All right. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Well, it's certainly a consideration. It was more of a concern in the 90s when uh, researchers first started looking at this upper respiratory tract disease, which is actually caused by a mycoplasma uh, and lives in the epithelium of the nasal cavity. And tortoises are highly social, so they're nose rubbers and can easily pass this back and forth. Uh, but it's, it's to the point that tortoises have become so rare that, that that's not a consideration. Uh, they're, they're, they're still moving tortoises now out of harm's way instead of burying them alive like uh, they used to do. And they're being moved to uh, protected lands in different areas. But the bottom line is we're still losing uh, habitat for, for species. There's a net loss every time you develop another five acres here or ten acres there, even though you're moving the tortoises, all you're moving are the tortoises.
0: Uh, yeah, always uh, always tricky. Here's here's another email question that actually was going to be part of my. We're still talking about the big turtle year, but uh, we get sidetracked with all the other nice calls and questions. But this one says, uh, are there turtles on your bucket list? I guess m- meaning still yet to see.
2: There are three species left in the U.S. that I haven't seen. During the big turtle year, I only missed two. I got 57 out of the 59 we had on our list at the time. And since then, they've described a new species and took one and split it into two species. Wow. So there's a northern, western pond turtle in northern California, and a yellow mud turtle, which should have been easy enough to see, but I, I just didn't get it mm. out west. And a, a new species, a relatively new, called the intermediate musk turtle, which is in the western panhandle in southern Alabama. So at some point, I hope to make a trip and pick up those three.
0: My money's on you, George. Something tells me you're going to see those. I hope so. Yeah. Okay, let's take another caller. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with George Heinrich. Hello, it's you. Go ahead, please. Hello. Are you there? Okay, we're going to move on then. Sorry. So, George, tell us a little bit. I've alluded to it. You've alluded to it. But uh, uh, since you're the executive director of the Florida Turtle Conservation Trust, give me just a quick bit of an overview, if you would. When was it founded? What is its mission and so on?
2: Well, it was founded in uh, 1999, so we're uh, 21 years old this fall, Mm -hmm. and it was established to uh, address... Uh, conservation needs of Florida's non-marine turtles. So there are a lot of groups working on sea turtles or marine species, and we're trying to uh, create awareness and do conservation projects for things like gopher tortoises and diamondback terrapins and various riverine uh, uh, species we do uh, uh, a lot of educational work uh, have developed uh, educators guides about diamondback terrapins and uh, a lot of uh, put together some symposia and workshops for different different groups for land managers or for researchers and uh, for the last several years we've been doing a lot of field work looking at the distribution of swanee uh, cooters which are a riverine species and uh, are Information on what river systems they live in in the in the southern part of their range, which is down here around Tampa Bay, was a uncertain, and hence a conservation concern. And uh, certainly, understanding the geographic distribution of a species is vital to any type of appropriate conservation and management efforts. So I think the Florida Turtle Conservation Trust best described as a, a nonprofit organization that divides its time between uh, educational programs and also uh, field projects like oh. the big Turtle year.
0: Yeah gotcha. okay so we're sort of nearing the end of our time sadly but we're still going to get a couple more callers in and so maybe a couple of my own questions in and email questions coming in too. so hi you're on talking animals with George Heinrich. Hello, George. Thank you
3: very much. Duncan, great show. I have a quick question, and I'll take my answer off the air. Uh, A friend of mine rescued a tortoise. I'm not sure if it's a gopher or a box And it lived on board a boat with me and my dog for four days, and I found a large area of woods to release it to where it would be safe. My question being, is there any type of particular plant that I can put there to attract him where we might be able to reunite, my dog and I, with, with Thomas the tortoise, as his name is. Uh, he loves cactus. Uh, I gave him some cactus, but if there's anything I can plant to kind of bait him in so we can reunite from time to time, and I'll take my answer off here. a great Kill. All right. Thank you. Um,
0: thank you. Thank, thanks for your kind words. Thanks for your question,
2: George. Yeah, I didn't, ca- I didn't catch part of that. I thought I heard something about a boat at one
0: point. It sounds like the gopher tortoise, as I understood it, is currently uh, living with, with this gentleman and his dog on a boat. But they're looking to release it, and I think trying to find what kind of plants that the the tortoise would be maybe most attracted to to either help release it or beyond that, I wasn't quite sure. But I think that was well, the core question. There's
2: a couple, a couple points there. One. Uh, gopher tortoises, they're a state-threatened species, uh, uh, picking it up and putting it on a boat is a violation of, the, of state law, and certainly not in the best interest of, uh, of- Tortoises they live in uplands and they have a wide uh, diversity of plant species they they eat. So the second part of the question about putting cactus or a particular plant out there, it's it's not one particular plant's going to attract it. Um, if they just take the turtle and put it back to where it came from, hopefully they know that it's gonna it's gonna find the diversity of, of food that it needs to uh, to uh, to eat. Problem is a lot of people pick these turtles up and they move them elsewhere and they don't know where they came from. And gopher tortoises have a homing ability. And you release it, and it might try to wander for miles and end up crossing highways or in a swimming pool or, or something. So the first step for that gentleman would be to try to find out where it came from and get it back to that location.
0: Yeah, get it off the boat and back to where it came from, I guess, as succinctly as possible. So, uh, All right, George, we're just uh, almost at the end of our time, but here's one one of the email questions kind of dovetails with what we just were talking about and and, an interesting question beyond that, I thought. If we have property with gopher tortoises that we know of for sale in this county, do we have an obligation to protect it rather than let it be sold to developers?
2: Well, you know, we have property rights in Florida, so people can... And sell or develop their property as long as they have the permits and are doing it all legally. You can't go on to a, a, a piece of upland habitat where tortoises live and just start clearing it and burying them alive it has to be surveyed, and permits have to be given, and uh, approval before you can just, just move uh, move forward. So, you know, responsible development, it is possible to coexist with wildlife if you just take the time to consider their their needs.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like there's some legal requirements uh, beyond just uh, yes. being, doing the right thing. So Alright, George, well he- here's my final question. I wish we had time for more, and maybe we'll have you back on because clearly there's a lot of interest from folks and I, a lot of interest of my own. And as a side note, by the way, I should mention that I was happy to see that in your account of the big turtle year that a few of the key turtle sightings happened near where I live, over in in the Jupiter, Jupiter Farms area with uh, a lot of those uh, sea turtles, but... um but anyway, here's my question: So, if someone came by with sort of a magic wand, wiping out all your obligations and responsibilities, work-wise and otherwise, for tomorrow, how would you spend it? What, what would you go out and do or see?
2: Uh, I think that if I didn't have commitments in Florida with with uh, with uh, turtles and work here mm-hmm. and grandchildren, that I'd I'd like to travel more, spend extended periods of time in the, the southern Arizona desert and up in. Uh, the the mountains and the Carolinas
0: and partly to see more turtles or just partly just to enjoy yourself
2: a little of both yeah, now, turtle, turtles. Turtles are the glue that keeps it all together. It gets me interested in, in environmental stuff. So, yeah, it's you know everything's not about turtles, but certainly turtles are a common thread to protecting and conserving a lot of habitats and species diversity, and they contribute to biodiversity in many places where they live.
0: Yeah, well, and again, I'm sure you want to keep chipping away at the uh, the number of species that you've seen and uh, and your own version of your own uh, ongoing, I guess, big turtle year. That's that's my goal. Yeah. Cool. Well, George has been really great speaking with you. This has been George L. Heinrich. A couple different things, uh, websites where you can uh, find out more about him or what he does. So it's Heinrich, H E I N R I C H, and there's a website, Heinrich Ecological and then the uh florida turtle conservation trust is uh, just four letters ftct.org so george thank you so much for making the time to join us on Talk animals i learned a lot about turtles and i'm guessing a lot of people listening did the same
2: well thank you for inviting me on duncan i always appreciate the opportunity to uh to try to encourage people to participate in wildlife conservation
0: for sure i think you did a lot of that this morning thank you again
2: sure take care
0: okay you too thanks in a moment, I'll speak with Ray Allen, who produces and co-hosts a new podcast, Cats on Film Pod, which is distinctive for, among other traits, assessing movies that prominently feature cats and for episodes with a super succinct running time of three, four, at the most, maybe five minutes. Right now, though, we're going to step into the comedy corner with Nick Kroll offering a nice comparative piece, Cats versus Dogs, in today's comedy corner on Talking Animals on WMNF. I
1: really want to get into it tonight, okay? So, cats or dogs, guys? Cats? Anybody say cats? Cats? The girl that looks like she likes cats likes cats? Well, just so you know, uh, you're wrong. Cats are the worst. I hate cats. They are so cold and indifferent. Like a dog will bring you a newspaper, according to cartoons that I watch. Cat will be like, oh... Oh, you wanted a newspaper? Oh, I thought you wanted this decapitated rat carcass. Oopsies. I have never seen a blind person with a cat before. Seen a whole lot of dogs with them. Blind Bird's like, hey, dog, let's go to the library. Dog's like, you got it. I don't care that you're blind and you want to go to the library. Let's do this. <laughs> it's like, how do you know where the library is? Google Maps, bro.
0: That was Nick Kroll with part of a piece called Cats vs. Dogs, singing from his album Think. Thank you, very cool. Now it's time to speak with Ray Allen about her new podcast, Cats on Film Pod." This is Ray Allen. On Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, Ray.
5: Good morning, Duncan. Thanks for inviting me to the show.
0: You bet. Thanks for... uh for joining us. So let's jump right in. What prompted the idea and how did it come together?
5: Um, so uh, my my fiance has always been telling me you should do a podcast about movies because you're always talking about them. And I said about a quarter of all podcasts are movie review podcasts. Um, if I'm going to do that, I would need some sort of gimmick or something special to stand out. And my first idea was, you know, since I like cats so much, just do a review, review movies with cats in them. That have the reviewers be to cat and just have a bunch of meow sounds back and forth as though cats were having a conversation. And sure. then I, I laughed about that for a solid three or four minutes and then determined that would not actually last very long.
0: Be hard to sustain listenership. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So then eventually it evolved to, oh, well, I as a person will talk and then, and then add cat sounds as though my kitty Skipper is interjecting and having a conversation with me Um, I do have to use cat sound effects because Skipper is not actually all that talkative Um, and also it's very very hard to mic up a cat
0: yeah there's a few challenges of getting a cat to talk on cue uh, on the air yeah
5: Yeah. so So, yeah and I I used to work at KUCI with you that's how we met and so I brought all of that experience in and then recently I was working at KQED and San Francisco in the content division and picked up some things from them, even though I wasn't on the air, but I worked a lot with the journalists and the podcasters. So, yeah, that's great. All together.
0: So, yeah, I drew on all kinds of experience, including, I guess, less directly related, but just part of the overall Cats on Pod film extravaganza is a lot of graphic design, I guess, that goes with it, is, is your own work as well, right?
5: Yes, I get to do every aspect of it, and every aspect of it I love the, the web design, the illustration, the social media presence at Casbah Film Pod. Um, and uh, yeah, and the recording and the editing, and I'm making video caption videos for YouTube for accessibility purposes for people who can't hear my voice or yeah. meow. Right, um, they can just, um, and it's got me back into drawing, like I hadn't done in many years.
0: No, that's so. great. I, when I posted this, uh, some about this on Instagram last night, an agent I know remarked on the graphic design as well as all the other elements. So uh, that's notable. So here, here's something else that's notable about Cats on Film Pod that I mentioned earlier. But it's pretty striking that the brevity of the episode certainly stands out from a lot of podcasts these days. So what was the thinking there? Like that's exactly why. I mean, we we only have about 30 20, 30 more seconds, by the way, Rachel. But so was it just like, hey, most of them are an hour or more. So I'm just going to do this three, four or five minutes and get keep it really tight.
5: Well, uh, there's only so much to talk about how a cat is represented and treated in a movie. (laughs) I am true. I am later this year going to review the documentary Kitty which is all about cats. Okay. So that episode will probably be longer or possibly be a two-parter.
0: Okay. But
5: I didn't want to drag it on just for the sake of filling out a longer time slot.
0: Gotcha. Well, it's really cool, and I really like it, and it's new, and it's called Cats on Film Pod, and there's a website, catsonfilmpod.com. It's also, as we just noted, on Instagram. It's very easy to search and just really well done. So, Rachel, congratulations. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals, and good luck with the podcast.
5: Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. It's Talking Animals on WNF Tampa.